Now for the homily. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, tell the church. That word church in Greek is ekklesia. How many times in St. Matthew's Gospel are you going to find that word? Twice. Twice. Here in chapter 18 and also two two chapters ago in chapter 16. Remember about three weeks ago we had Jesus tell St. Peter. uh, You are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. And do you remember back then in chapter 16 he said whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And two chapters later we get that same kind of language right here, don't we? That binding and loosing um, um, language. Think of it this way. As a husband or a wife, you tell your spouse, I love you. Then you turn to your children and say, I love you. Well, it's the same sentence. I love you. I love you. But one, the first one is directed at an individual. The second sentence is directed at two or more, right? Your children. Two or more. And when when Jesus says to Peter um, um, uh, to uh, to give him the power to bind and loose, he is saying to Peter individually. And now he says to the disciples, to the apostles, the power to forgive sins. Um, and Jesus does this. He does it once um, to Saint Peter as the vicar of Christ and all the men who would come after him. And then um, to, as a group, to the disciples, to the apostles. It's interesting. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Um, So right now, so many young men and women are back in college. And I've been recommending uh, those five books by Dr. J, initial J. Last name is Budzazuski. I know, it's easy for me to say. Um, But uh, if you type in the initial J and then B-U-D-Z, well, I mean, B-U-D on most college campuses is going to be recognized, right? Like, no, that's not Budweiser. It's Budzisuski, right? But if you type in J and then B-U-D-Z into Amazon, you would find all the books by this man who has been teaching at the University of Texas at Austin for 36 years. He, he describes himself as being, a, being brought up Christian, but he wasn't a serious Christian, wasn't a serious Christian home. Then he went to college and he became an atheist. Imagine that, going to college and becoming an atheist. It never happens, right? Then he got his Ph.D. and he was hired by UT Austin. Um, Then he became a Christian. I bet he became a Christian after they gave him tenure. (laughs) Right, exactly. I don't have to fill in the dots here. The... um, and then, uh, about ten years ago, he became a Catholic Christian. You know, down there, yes, thousands, thousands go through UT Austin. Um, and as a um, as a professor down there, he's answered the same question a million times. 
Excuse me, can you tell me where the restroom is? Yeah, down the hall. And right, right. Not just those questions, but the kind of questions that young men and women have who are in college. Everything from roommates to profess problems with professors to time management to fill in the blank. So he's a good guide. So he wrote a book, Ask Me Anything. Then he wrote a second book, Ask Me Anything, number two. Uh, I was reading Ask Me Anything, number two, last week. And uh, interesting, because every chapter is, is self-contained. If you read this chapter, but none of the rest, any of the, any of the, the rest of the book, it would be okay. It's a standalone chapter. So I recommend to you parents, you get the book and read the book and then um, get it for your, your, your kids. Either in co- the kids are in college or young men and women because um, you can get it for next to nothing, especially on Kindle. If they have a smartphone or a Kindle, um, you can get it for them and then you can discuss. When they ask you a question, if you're familiar with, say, the 20 chapters or so, you could say, uh, I'll tell you what, why don't you read chapter 17? It's only five pages, and we'll discuss it. And all of a sudden, his wisdom comes to your assistance. Well, I was reading last week. Um, uh, doctor, uh, the, uh, the professor was in his office, and he got a knock at the door, and it was a young lady. She was never a student of his, but her boyfriend, Jordan, was a student. And she asked to speak with him because she knew that he was Jordan's professor, that Jordan looked up to him. And so she was telling the professor that Jordan, uh, a while back, Jordan, her boyfriend, had revealed uh, to her something very private, that he was, um, he was tempted by a sin that had come back to him from the past. Yeah, Dr. Uh, J. Budzisuski doesn't reveal what the sin is, but he calls it a comeback sin, um, a sin like a, like a boomerang, you know, uh, something that used to trouble him but now came back. Kind of like Johnson grass. You know, you get out there with uh, your, 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 your cotton hoe and you, you're chopping away at the Johnson grass. Oh, I got it all. And then it comes back, right? So this is the kind of thing she was, um, he, Jordan told his girlfriend, Brooke, about, well, what did Brooke do? Brooke, uh, Brooke mentioned it to her accountability group, her prayer group. And so she's saying, and now the, the women in the accountability group, all five or six of them, they told their boyfriends, and now the boyfriends are razzing Jordan about his comeback sin. And she said, she said to the professor, you know, I, I, I know he forgave me, but I, I think there's kind of a, a distance between us. It's like, duh. And she's in college? <laughs> yeah, duh. Yeah, doesn't want to talk to you, huh, Brooke? I wonder why, right? I wonder why. The, uh, and so she's, so she's trying to, she's trying to resolve this. She said, you know, I'm just following what the Bible says, you know, confess your sins one to another. And the professor stops her and he says, um, well, which which of your sins were you confessing, Brooke? No, she, she, she was confessing his sins, right? I get that sometimes in confession. Now, why don't we concentrate now on your sins? <laughs> the, uh, anyway, so, um, yes, in St. James' uh, letter in the New Testament, he says, confess your sins one to another. 
I hear that all the time. You know, the the one place you're going to hear people confessing their sins one to another on a, on a daily basis? Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. And they all, they all do that on an anonymous basis. And they do a great job. Um, but they confess their sins one to another. And uh, it's amazing. But outside of that, can you think of anywhere... Um, just don't think... Uh, uh, you know any family who actually does that? <laughs> I don't think so. No, no. Okay. So uh, it's an interesting thing because here in uh, the gospel, Jesus tells us, uh, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, you and him alone. Then if he doesn't listen to you, you then, is, then if, he, if, he, if he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three. Notice that the one thing that Jesus does not allow you to do, duck. He doesn't allow you to just... Uh, take a take a pass. Oh no no no! I, I'll just let Father Paul deal with this. What if he never comes? What if she never comes? See, Jesus has an order here for me and for you. And just in case, we can always look at someone who lived six hundred years before Jesus was born, Ezekiel. In the first reading, Ezekiel God tells Ezekiel, if the wicked man um, if I tell the wicked man, a wicked man, you shall surely die. And Ezekiel, you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked man from his way. The wicked man shall die for his guilt, but I will hold you responsible for his death. But if you warn the wicked man trying to turn him from his way and he refuses to turn from his way, he shall die for his guilt. But Ezekiel, you will save yourself. Friends, we have an obligation to speak um, one to another when we see um, uh, our brother um, going astray. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. When uh, St. Thomas More did that with King Henry VIII, eventually it cost him his head. He told no one except the king what he thought about his divorce and remarriage to um, uh, from Queen Catherine to Anne Boleyn. Um, the, um, uh, this gospel today uh, shows us who has given the church the power to forgive sins. Um, Jesus himself. The church has the power to forgive or not to forgive. I'm reading the life of St. John Vianney, and there were many times where he would not forgive someone uh, because they weren't really sorry. That's withholding absolution. Um, that really doesn't happen uh, today. Uh, but let's look at let's look at this. Um, God has given us this sacrament. Uh, we call it confession, but Saint John Paul II called confession the sacrament of divine mercy. Now, in 2007, on the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth said that the message of Fatima is the most important message for modern times. Pope Benedict is not somebody who exaggerates, not somebody who uses hyperbole. Uh, Part of the message uh, of Our Lady to those three children, she said, pray, pray a lot and offer sacrifices 
for sinners. She said, the souls of many sinners go to hell because there's no one to pray or sacrifice for them. Um, So Our Lady is very concerned about this matter. And she's telling them so that they would tell us about this message of Fatima. Um, But, you know, when, when we look at it, the, the sacrament of confession is not something that is practiced today in the Catholic Church by most Catholics, if we're honest, okay, if we're honest. Um, uh, the, uh, we, we definitely don't see people confessing their sins one to another. People don't get up and start just saying to their friends around them their sins. And they don't go to confession. So what's happening? They're holding it all in. Let me give you a parallel example. We always hear once in a while, every every month or so, we hear about this example of some old lady or some old man. They've been living in the same house forever, and they have 20 cats and dogs living in their house. And they never let them outside, and he never takes out the trash, ever. Then eventually the police come in and they're in those hazmat suits. They got the mask on, the, the, the NASA suit on, and they have to clean it out, right? I mean, think of, think of uh, being locked in a barn for 20 or 30 years with a few head of cattle, and they never go outside, <laughs> and you never take out the trash. Yeah, it would just keep piling up, wouldn't it? So I don't go to confession. I don't confess my sins one to another. I don't go to confession. So what ends up happening? Exactly. Um, Of course, we we really don't have public examples of people who go regularly to confession. Now, take a look here. Uh, St. John Paul II, um, uh, he went to confession uh, throughout his life as Pope, and even before that, once a week, sometimes more often. Mother Teresa, who was on the cover of the bulletin last Sunday, her feast day was Friday, she used to go to confession Every day, I know why. Because uh, John Paul II and Mother Teresa used to sneak away and they would go to Vegas. Aren't you Pope? No, no, no. I put this on 29 black. That's why they went to confession so often, right? No, no, they they didn't have a gambling habit. Uh, See, again and again, I have to return. Yeah, Catholics get it wrong. They think that, okay, confession, Jesus takes away my sins. He raises the board, and he takes me and puts me back to zero. That's true, but that's not all of it. The second part is he gives me a grace, a blessing, a power, a strength to say no to sins in the future. Uh, Because sins can come back from the past. They can be habitual. But they can be brand new temptations. And how am I supposed to defend myself? How are you? I know what you're thinking. My children are perfect. They will never have temptations. They will never give in to sin like their mother or their father or their brothers. Come on. Come on. That's just ridiculous. Um, the, um, and we've all met people when we, when, we, when we try something like this. Like in the gospel today, you ever try talking to someone and bringing up uh, something that they somehow they've offended you? Oh, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to talk to her. I know what's going to happen. You know, like Jackie Gleason, bang, 
Zoom, right? He's got to get mad. Um, no, these people, they make sure nobody ever brings anything up to them. They huff and they puff. So people stay away. In my own life, I remember once it took me seven years before I talked to somebody. Uh, and, I, and after talking to him, I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to have to go to confession for having waited seven years to speak to you. Yeah. Who do you think Christ is talking to in this gospel? The wallpaper? He says uh, to his disciples. Oh, see, most people think Jesus is talking to priests. <laughs> And if a priest came up to you and said, um, Mr. Jones, Mrs. Jones, I need to talk. Well, whatever that means, right? No, he's talking to you. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. If you're baptized, you're a disciple. Jesus said to his disciples, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between him, you and him alone. Um, we have to recognize that um, um, you and I um, are living at a time uh, very much um, that is steeped in sin, and yet we're not doing anything about it. We're, we're convincing people better to hold it in. Now, holding it in is one thing. How's that going to work out for you five minutes after you're dead? Five minutes after he's dead or she's dead, the one who's sinning against you. We have to work together. Uh, Jesus lays it out here, and he, and he brings in the church, but the church is not number one on the list. You are. You are. How many times have you heard somebody's, somebody recognize somebody who is obviously in difficulties, and what do people say? Well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not his mother. I'm not his father. I'm not his sister. I'm not his brother. Right? Nobody wants, nobody here but us chickens. Remember that line from the old movies? Nobody here but us chickens. Like I said, I've got my own uh, past. You know, seven years before I would talk to Mr. Huff and Puff. Yeah, and I'm glad I did. And I was a coward. And I'm not going to do that anymore. It cost me too much. It costs you too much. And it, who knows? If you don't go up to him, you don't go up to her alone, well, what if they get mad? What are they going to do? Cut you into a million pieces and eat, eat you for breakfast the next morning? Well, they got mad at me. So, uh, you, you have to do what you can do in, in a correct way. Then you don't go and talk about it to your accountability group. No, you talk about your own sins to your accountability group if you want to. But Brooke was wrong the way she uh, talked about Jordan. Um, Mother Teresa went to confession every day. St. John Paul II went to confession once a week. You and I will not go before God and claim that we did not have credible witnesses to tell us about the sacrament of divine mercy. Not only does it restore us, especially from sins that keep coming back, um, but also gives us strength, um, grace, power to resist them in the future. You notice how if we follow what Jesus is saying in the gospel, we actually get a conversation started. St. Paul says it very clearly. He says the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, 
you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you're guilty of some great sin that you don't recognize, you want somebody to come up to you and tell you. It's very sad. Um, Once I was talking to a a man, uh, a man um, and his father, uh, he and his um, his whole family had to talk to his father about um, his alcoholism. That's not easy. Making an intervention like that, that's not easy. Oh, well, I better not say anything to him. He's going to get mad. The priest wouldn't say anything to him. Um, the, uh, yeah, nobody would. Who wants, to, who wants? It's like being a skunk at a wedding. When you have to talk to somebody about something that they're doing. Um, but friends... If you're a disciple, if you're a baptized man, woman, or young man, or young woman, you're a disciple. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between him, you and him alone. How many children have said to their mom or dad, but mommy, I thought we weren't supposed to do that. And all of a sudden, mom's eyes get real big, or dad's eyes get real big, because your children are, have been listening to what you've been teaching. Uh, Friends, um, let's recognize that uh, the confession is a sacrament of divine mercy, but, but we're not confessing our sins one to another openly in public. We're not confessing them in private. So what are we doing? As a church, we're just holding it in. How's that working? That makes great saints, doesn't it? That makes us grow in virtue. That makes us stronger. That gives us more power. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it's not what Jesus presents us in today's gospel or anywhere in the Bible. Jesus said to his disciples, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone.